This is the one with South African astronauts. A POW sucking on a hanky. A Sontaran writing a thesis no one will ever read. And a gross sex booger. It's called the Sontaran Experiment. Here, Here we, we go. go! We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than Who Back When? Hello everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to another episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Yes, it's just Doc Past this week. We don't have a dog. That's right, sadly. (laughs) What are we talking about this week? We are talking about... C-077, The Sontaran Experiment. Yeah, well, yeah, well, okay. Unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately, we are. (laughs) You might sense from our our tone here, I don't think... Either myself or Leon really enjoyed this. No, no, not really. Well, yeah, okay, so you gave away oh, half of us. There we go. Who's this Leon trap you're talking about? I think that's you, isn't that's it? That's me. Oh, hello, hello. Land. And hello, you. Who are you? I'm Jim. Hi, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hello, everyone out there. Bear with us. We'll, we, we'll get through this together. Yeah. A, it's only two episodes, people. <laughs> a a two-episode arc so odd that even the mixer, when we plugged in the mixer, Podcast Land, before recording, the mixer literally started screaming. That is not a lie. It yep. just screamed. It did not want to record <laughs> anything about this serial. Yet we coerced it otherwise, and here we are. First time we had a two-parter since, I probably mentioned this when we recorded our last classic review, but we've, we last had one with The Rescue, Vicky Nopan's first episode. Right. So that was... That's Hartnell. That's ages ago. It was Hartnell. Yeah. So they basically only happened with Hartnell up until now. It's only happened once. Oh, right. We've only had one, two episode arc so far. Oh, okay. And then uh, before this, I mean, and now I can't remember what the next one's called, but it is a long time from now. Yeah. Whenever it is. I guess um, they learned from their mistake. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but is, would you... Okay, before we jump into the B-Scale and whatnot, would you consider this an actual serial, or is this sort of something to tide us over between serials? It just sort of feels like a nothing. <laughs> would it have made sense... So the last time we had this was with The Rescue. It was a two-parter just to introduce a new companion, and that then took us straight into another arc, which was four or six episodes long. Right. And that way, the two-episode arc seems more like a like a prelude. Yeah, a little gateway for Doesn't you. Doesn't that make more sense? Yeah, definitely. It's weird to have this two-parter with very little plot after the, frankly, magnificent arc in space. Yeah. And it's also... It, oh, not just that. Okay, don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, the next serial... Have you watched the next serial? No. I've not seen it since I was a kid. Pretty sure. I don't remember. <laughs> but I know that it is incredibly legendary. It's Genesis of the Daleks. It is the seminal Dalek serial. So we have Ark in Space, amazing. Genesis of the Daleks, legendary. And we have this in the middle. It's like the most perverted threesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's someone who made the sandwich the wrong way around and just put, it, yeah. put a slice in the middle. Uh, and there's two slices of bologna and then what do we put in the middle? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's a tiny slice of bread and it's just like... Uh. No, this is backwards. <laughs> Unless you like bologna. 
Time for us to synopsize, clarify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? The Doctor, Harry, and Sarah Jane materialize on Earth, ten thousand years into the future, after using a transmat to leave the Nerva space station. The Doctor immediately sets about investigating the refractors to make sure they can return and recover the TARDIS, and the others go off to explore their immediate surroundings. Little do they know, though, that the otherwise entirely unpopulated planet Earth is currently playing host to a handful of South African space militants, and one curmudgeon Suntaran census taker and junior vivisectionist who's been torturing the extraterrestrial Earthmen in the name of science and galactic domination. Miscal over, you are welcome. welcome. Aren't you just? So many questions. So many questions. Uh, what do you want to say? Oh, Jesus Christ. No, I don't, I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna, I, I want to start with the Sontaran, but I don't know how to start with the Sontaran. Okay, Sultaran. I'll kick us off with a, a question about the Sontaran. I mean, effectively, this is going to boil down to why. But <laughs> considering that there are only a handful of humans on the planet, who wouldn't even be there if it weren't for the Sontaran, by the yeah. way, A... Why would the Sontaran fleet be waiting for this, like, Dr. Mengele potato head to conduct a scientific risk assessment? And B, why would there be any need for an invasion of force in the first place? This is, as far as they're aware, an uninhabited planet. In fact, it, it was an uninhabited planet. They do make mention of them invading the galaxy, but I don't know what that means either. But the galaxy isn't full of humans. This is just how bad this serial is. They don't... But don't make it clear. And these like five. What's going on in the galaxy? These astronauts, by the way, they behave like cavemen. They're like cavemen with lasers. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And they are clearly not representative of any kind of military force that the Sontarans might encounter outside of the Earth. Yeah, I'd, there was obviously there was one or two of them that you came across who had been tortured and yeah. broken. That's true. But did you also get Rambo vibes? It's Rambo 2, right? So when he's sent back into the shades to rescue the POWs. I have seen the Rambos. I don't know them that well. Except even Rambo doesn't take one of his shitty hankies and, like, shove it into the mouth of a poor POW. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a moment, actually, one of them is brandishing, like, a smoking stick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not even on fire. Because, like, you made, made the illusion that they're like cavemen it's like i actually thought they were like earlier than cavemen at one point so like, you haven't discovered fire yet you just kind of picked up a smoldering stick and gone yes yes scary <laughs> yes, i will lead you now i have the smoke stick the smoke <laughs> but yeah, i mean they are not representative of anything that the suntarans would encounter out out in space or on well, the colonies or whatever i think they're meant to be like we did a little bit of trivia kind of looking up beforehand the gaussack yeah. is meant to be this thing that is populating the galaxy and I'd forgotten beyond. about this, but we've in fact encountered Galsic before. Oh, right. In, and this is going to blow your mind a little bit, Wirren Dawn. Oh. Yeah, so the Wirren whom we encountered in the last serial. Yeah. We had previously on the podcast encountered them in an audiobook, the one that the last time I said, please don't listen to the review because I was yeah. way too negative and I apologize. But that took place partly on a Galsic colony. Okay. And that's all it is. It's just like the humans sent out spaceships. That's what they were talking about in the last serial, right? They sent out a few spaceships and some of them were actually successful. Yeah. And one of them was Galsec, or possibly several of them were Galsec. But they're just these like random colonies out in space. Yeah. Because that's, that's the setup we've got here, isn't it? Is that they've come from the historical timeline where, like we had with Earth, 
the ark in space that the earth got radiated yeah it was dying whatever people fled yeah they were like you say on one ship and went out and they colonized and it was successful meanwhile and now they, they want to come back i don't know if they were actually that bothered about coming back to earth i think i think it was almost like the colonization it kind of turned its back on earth it's like why would you bother going back if once you've gone and colonized but a planet and are living your life out there okay so how did potato head get a hold of them because they must he, have been close by right there was mention of a distress signal from one of their other ships, which... Oh, yeah, he faked a signal or something. And yeah, which it, I didn't pick up. But I only read that in a, a trivia note, actually, that it was a, a faked signal. I don't think I quite picked that up from the serial. But was it, he lured them there? Yeah, basically. Okay. So I guess, yeah, you're right. They can't have been that far away. But they, they were responding to something that they, they saw as another one of their ships in need. Oh, gotcha. So I guess they might have traveled some distance to... to answer that call i'm not sure okay follow-up question why did neither they nor the sontaran notice that there is a gigantic space station orbiting the earth yeah i didn't get this at all <laughs> <laughs> like it's seen as like this mythical yeah but you, the doctor compares it to atlantis yeah it's like atlantis is like under the ocean <laughs> like that's quite hard to find sure this thing is orbiting the earth <laughs> yeah you would notice it. Yeah, I didn't really buy the whole, we lost the Nova Space Station. <laughs> it's like, no, you just didn't go back and look for it. Exactly, it was there for thousands of years, you lazy sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> it's like living in a one-bedroom flat and losing a bear. It's like, no, you just never went into the bathroom like, where the bear was. <laughs> wait, how did they get, wait, what? <laughs> I, just, I love that simile. That's how my brain works. <laughs> okay, wait, hang on, can we, let's take a step back. So, Potato Head, Suntaran, what's his name again? Steyer. Steyer. He shows up on Earth. Earth, completely void of life. Nothing. As in, not even animal life. There's plant life, but no animals or anything. Yeah. And he lures a handful of humans to the empty Earth in order to perform experiments on them. The fleet, meanwhile, is going, we want to invade the Earth. They don't even have to, they can just colonize it at this point because it is an unused planet. But they want to invade the Earth. But they are holding off on landing because he goes, no, I've temporarily turned this entire planet into my lab for five people. <laughs> Again, I think it... His experiments are so sophisticated that he needs the whole no, planet. I don't want to defend this episode too much, but it's meant to be that they're using this as, as a little playground to experiment. But they don't. Or he well, doesn't. He, he, he tries in this the pathetic way. <laughs> But he they, mostly keeps them shackled to something. That was the experiment to see how long we last without water. <laughs> okay, yeah, so there is... The, <laughs> then there is the compression so experiment. This is the frustrating thing. Like, this isn't just a bad cereal. It's that there are some interesting ideas that are just wasted. Like, I think the whole concept of a Sontaran, like, experimenting on humans... Yeah. ...is definitely something that could make an amazing cereal. Like, it's super dark. Yeah, and, I agree. And I don't know, you could, you could do so much to learn about the Sontarans and they could become one of these big hated enemies. But it, it just comes across as pathetic. And he's, he seems like, I threw in the line of the junior vivisectionist. Like, yeah. Because he seems really low level. Like yeah, he, he's entry level torturer. Yeah. <laughs> My first torture. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, this is the one chance to do this story because you can't rehash this stuff because people will pick up on it and go well you've done that before 
Yeah. It doesn't matter if you did it badly the first time. Like, this is, this is the only chance you're going to be able to really have a clear setup of a Sontaran experimenting on humans in this, this kind of, in, in prelude to an invasion kind of way. I don't know. And they just wasted it. In Classic Who, there was a Troughton serial called The War Games, which did what I think you're saying that you would have liked to have seen in this serial. I'm not saying liked to have seen that. I'm not that <laughs> okay, much well, of a weird okay. sadist. I want to watch people being tortured. But, no, you know. no, no. So, sorry, I, I didn't mean it like that. But I mean, the War Games had... I can't remember the names of all these different races at this point. But so it's this is Troughton's very last serial. It's okay. when he he was forced to regenerate, effectively. But so these aliens, led by, I want to say, a Time Lord, the Warlord? Yeah, whatever. It's a cool serial. They've kidnapped humans from various eras, like warriors from various eras. So you have World War One soldiers in the trenches, and you have cowboys, and you have, I can't remember what else, but like a whole bunch of different warrior representatives from Earth. And they're building this sort of Westworldian simulation for them to conduct their war so that these aliens can study them and learn from them their weaknesses and strategies and all that stuff. Okay. That's what this Sontaran purports to be doing. Yeah. But all he does is go, well, if I shackle you to a wall and don't give you anything to drink, I can then say that you need something to drink to survive. Yeah. How is that going to help him? That's not going to help anyone. No. Well, I, yeah. I think there are legs... That's the thing. That yeah. There are some legs there to... That is, it is a slightly different premise from what you've described, actually, because I could kind of agree, actually, that that's maybe what Centauran should be doing, is is putting them in a combat situation and saying, right, well, how would we counteract all these things they're doing? Yeah. Not just what are the physical weak points, or even psychological weak points, because he tortures Sarah Jane through psychological means. Oh, yeah, let's put a pin in that, because I yeah. really want to talk about that. <laughs> But yeah, it, I think it's odd that, you know, what I understand of Sontarans from New Who and what we've currently seen of them in Classic with, yeah. well, we only have Lynx was the previous one. Same actor, by the way. Yes. But a very different looking Sontaran in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Sarah Jane might be a little bit racist. <laughs> oh, really? Well, the first time she she oh. sees the Sontaran, she's like, Lynx. Yeah. Oh, I see got, what you're he's, saying. He's got the helmet on. They all look the same to her. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but then he takes the helmet off and she's still saying, Lynx, no, you can't be Lynx. You were dead. Like, A, yeah, there's more than one of that species, Sarah Jane. Come on. <laughs> it's a sentient life form. It's very unlikely to have been the only one. But yeah, B, he it looks very different. looks different. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that was an intentional thing on the BBC's part or, I don't know, because they're meant to be clones, aren't they? So they, sh- they should look identical. Are they meant to be clones in Classic Who, though, or is that a new I don't Who know. thing? I feel like that's a retcon, or possibly that's later Classic Who. We did not hear anything about them being clones when no. we encountered him the first time, right? No, we've not had it so far, as far as I'm Time aware. Warrior? Time Warrior, yes. Time Warrior. I think it's a combination of two things. Number one, they have, at least in their mind, better props. <laughs> I preferred it the first time. Around, I think I preferred it the first time. And... Secondly, the this is from from trivia again, so this isn't my observation anyway. But the the chap who played him, hang on, his name was Kevin something, isn't it? Kevin Lindsay. Yeah, I forgot to say we've encountered him not only as Lynx, he was also in Planet of the Spiders. Oh, as Chorje, the older incarnation of the Time Lord. You're kidding me. That's him. The- Does that blow your mind a little bit? So the one that regenerates, so we... Exactly. Uh, okay. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the same guy, Kevin Lindsay. So he had a heart condition, and sadly he passed away shortly after this serial. Oh. And apparently he was having some trouble breathing inside the mask, so they made it more loose-fitting around oh, him. right. Which is why there's one point, certainly, in episode two... When you see him close up, oh, he's talking to the field marshal over his, like, weird Skype thing. Yeah. And you see him close up, and you can, like, just look through the eye sockets of the mask. All of a sudden, it's very, it doesn't look right, basically. Yeah. And presumably, that's because he was having trouble breathing, and they had to change, like, hollow it out more on the inside so you have more space. Uh, So that may also have contributed to it. But they still have, like, he still has the gross tongue that he had the first time around. Yeah. Ugh. You revolting shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I did start wondering, actually, as we were talking, whether it was also because he m- kind of melts at the end. It was having a the, the same prosthetic <laughs> that you could then melt, and the previous one they couldn't have done that. Oh, me- oh, well, not, not oh, it doesn't melt, but it kind of like implodes. sucks in, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, like maybe they needed a rubber one, and they didn't have a rubber one before. That's a super. I bet you you're right. Actually, yeah, so, I reckon that's it. They're like, oh, guys, with this one rubber thing, we could just, if we put a vacuum cleaner at the end of it, we can make it look like it's imploding. Yeah, cool. Let's redo the mask, guys. <laughs> I don't know where he's from. <laughs> New Jersey? He's a mobster. In yeah. A, <laughs> played by an English person. <laughs> Obviously. So these South African astronauts, then. Yeah. Now... They were South African. They were South African. Yes. Okay. I'm just looking this up now. Okay, sorry. Fine, I'll read out a, a paragraph from trivia and then please take over because I feel like I'm saying too much or talking too much. From trivia, the Galsec astronauts were mostly played by South African actors who used their native accents. Bob Baker and Dave Martin were interested in how language evolves with c- cultural cross-pollination and believed the cultural and racial mix of South Africa was an indication of how language might sound in the future. That is read verbatim from Tardis Bukia. I feel like they got that wrong, but... <laughs> yeah, a, super wrong. <laughs> <laughs> not not Tardis Wikia, uh, people. But the <laughs> idea that South African accent would represent the future. I, don't, I, I buy more the, the Firefly concept of it being a, a warped... A, a few words in Chinese, a few yeah. words in Russian... As it, well, mostly they, English. <laughs> they make it mostly American and, and yeah. Chinese, but like, oh yeah, that's true. You can kind of get on board with that more, as as in they are big superpowers. And yeah, South Africa, South Africa, not so much. South Africa, <laughs> but that's that's interesting actually because I I wasn't convinced that they were actually <laughs> South African because it seemed to it seemed to waver a little bit. But I guess maybe they were told to tone it down in certain scenes or something. I don't know. I mean, before I read this bit of trivia, I had in my mind the idea of like. Why wouldn't they be South African astronauts? Maybe one spaceship was sent out from South Africa yeah. specifically, and consequently the the people, like the descendants of those astronauts, would still have the same accent. Makes perfect sense. So kind of fun. But then I read this, I'm like, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it, actually. If they just said they were South African or... Problem solved. Yeah. Yeah. But it's odd when they've not teleported, teleported down yeah and the doctor's going oh this is like is it piccadilly circus or trafalgar square I it's piccadilly it. and trafalgar's over there it's yeah. it's ten thousand years in the future everything's yeah. just turned into a heath yeah <laughs> <laughs> with lots of rock where did the rock come from eight thousand years is not enough to build yeah. mountains atop piccadilly i'm <laughs> i'm not entirely sure about you know how i understand this stuff working but i've like, I've I've been amazed at 
some of the pictures you can see of like abandoned properties and how quickly nature comes and reclaims it. Yeah. But I don't think it kind of like terraforms it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, y- you go off on uh, a gap year, you come back, no one's hoovered the place for a year, and now there's a mountain atop <laughs> <Yeah>. your flat. <laughs> I guess 10,000 years is quite a long time, but I'd be intrigued actually as to what 10,000 years ago looks compared to today. I doubt it is that different geologically. No, it won't be di- very different at all. No. I mean, some stuff will have eroded, but not. No. No, yeah. dude. <laughs> I, okay. Another question. Why did it have to be Piccadilly? Why does it have to be London? Well, this is what I was alluding to, is they make this mention that they're, you know, putting it back into, this is a British show, like, yeah. <laughs> they're in London, and then you throw in some South Africans, and you're like, oh, are they South African? Like, that's why it, it sounds weird, because they're, make, they're making this point that Doctor, yeah. Doctor Who's a British show. We've landed in London again, even though it was a random teleporter location Presumably, I don't know. I don't know. The doctor did. He went Sonic down to it, didn't he? he? Maybe he programmed. Can I ask you? Okay, I've already forgotten the end of Ark in Space. They couldn't beam down in Ark in Space, or sorry, the Ark people, <laughs> future humans. Yeah, they were saying something like, "There's something wrong with the refractors. We're not getting a signal, or whatever." And the doc goes, "All right, don't worry about it. I'll go take a look." And then he beams down. Yeah. So you can beam down because maybe they, maybe they knew it would. Be a one-way trip, and they didn't want to risk going down and getting stuck. Oh, I see. Oh, maybe I forget how they talked about it. But does that mean then? Why did they want to beam down to London in the first place? Yeah. Why London? So it is is preset because obviously those orbs are around there to why receive. Why isn't there the a signal. mountain on top of those orbs? Huh? So okay, they put the orbs in London because yeah. they figure we're all English aboard the Ark. When we're done in like a thousand years or something, we want to go back to London. Yeah, we want to... And there'll be like a modicum of who Go make a cup of tea, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Brush away all the brush. <laughs> Find a kettle. 5,000 years... However many years pass. 5,000 years, I think, right? 10,000. 10,000 years? I think over 10,000. Over 10,000... Wait, this, oh, wait, this is the year 16,000-something. And I thought, oh, they overslept by 5,000 years. Yeah, because okay. yeah, they, they've overshot by quite a bit. Okay, so fine. Several thousand years pass. The Earth has turned into... Like, all of London has turned into Basically, Hampstead Heath. The, the Peak District. <laughs> yeah, yes. Why am I saying Hampstead Heath? Yeah, okay, yes, exactly. It's turned into the or, Peak District. Or a part of Wales, probably. <laughs> or, or just, like, there's completely new land over everything, and new yeah. mountains yeah. and everything. Why are these silver gonads still on the surface, unharmed? Don't know. I think they were a little bit mossy. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? A little brief point on how Doctor and the Companions kind of traverse this serial, because... Okay. Most of the time, actually, I think they're on their own. They're kind of maybe in earshot or eyeshot of each other occasionally, but they kind of they kind of come together and then go away and come together and... He works on the balls for a long time, then he gets yeah. captured on his own. And Harry goes down and... Well, he falls, in falls the, into a pit yeah. and crawls out on his own. And she gets case. captured yeah. on her own. Yeah, you're right. Um, which I, I found definitely did not help me to enjoy this serial, that... It was just lots of random little threads of, oh, you've met that person and you've been attacked by this person. And I don't know, it was just... Yeah, I agree. I, I wanted to see more between the Doc and Harry, frankly, because that's the one relationship that I feel that I don't know enough about. Yeah. I know Doc and Sarah very much. Instead, we got Harry and Sarah for a little bit. And that's just like half a chat in which she goes, don't call me old thing. Yeah. Which, fair enough. Which... Yeah. 
he respected and then for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and again, it was her that did get captured and had to be rescued. The, yeah, which, the last time we... Which you predicted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was action man, sort of, but not as much as I'd thought. No. he And he, she was definitely a damsel in distress. Yeah, I, he got pretty close. I thought he was going to whack Steyer around the back of the head at one yeah, point. Yeah, and instead, Tom Baker tries to do a Pertwee. Yes. I Wait, mean, what? it ends with, like, fucking mano a mano. Oh, God. Do you want to have a little bit of time with the ending now, or do you, or do you want to oh, it's up to hop you. around with us? It's up stuff? to you, because, I mean, I want to jump back and forth inside this two-parter <laughs> and pick let's, it apart. Let's stay on the Sarah Jane okay. moment, then, because <laughs> I know you wanted to come back to her psych- I want to talk psychological about the, torture bit. I want to talk about the sex burger. Your sex burger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised. <laughs> hey! <laughs> yeah, sorry, what do you want to say about Sarah? I'm more laying this up so you can talk about it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start with Sarah, Sarah, and secondly, talk about Sarah in the eyes of the Sontaran. So, the female. The female of the species. <laughs> so, Which is a bit um, Ferengi. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. You're right. Yeah. Oh, man. I need to rewatch DS9. <laughs> All the fears that she experiences when she has the little forehead fear thingamajiggy. Yeah. It's explained these things are all inside of her. These are like her her own inherent hidden psychological fears. Yes. One's a snake. Love that snake, by the way. That she was surprisingly well done. It I I'm not being sarcastic. That looks great. I mean it was clearly fake, but it looked Yeah. Really good. Yeah. It's <laughs> it, a good fake. Yeah, it's better than the spiders in Planet of the Spiders. Yes. I would agree. Like more convincing. Mm. The second one is either Living Mountains or Vertigo or I'm not sure what. Yeah, I, I kind of glanced away and then suddenly we were looking at a mountain. I was like, I'm not sure what's going on here. Yeah, and everything's warped. Yeah. And yeah, it's very creepy. Fear and loathing in future London. And then the third thing. What is this third thing, Leon? I mean... I have definitely seen niche porn very similar to this. So Have you now? This is quite a confession. Not so much for my personal arousal as for my personal amusement. She's somehow being covered or ingested or like just slimed. Sli- by, yeah, definitely slimed. Slimed by the, what looks like vom. Like it, it, <laughs> I would say there was a, a slightly rocky feel to it as well. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Rocky vom. It's like... like you, you've eaten a bit of granite and then you've thrown it up. Thrown it up. <laughs> I mean, am I the only one who detected a certain psychosexual element to that scene? There's definitely admit, something. I'm not sure I got that. <laughs> I was more in the kind of quicksandy kind of struggling... But it's alive, right? It's not just like, oh, she's sinking into quicksand, because then she'd be sinking into quicksand. It, this is something that is alive, and it's taking over. I mean, a certain portion of our listenership knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> For the record, I've only seen this once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> what else could it be? Is it maybe that subconsciously she's afraid of the alien, the the unknown that she might encounter with the doctor? Is it something to that effect? Because it, it seemed like alien life to me. This is not an animal that we're familiar with, and it's not just nature. It was alive. So, yeah, that's interesting, because I, I think I did see it as nature. I, like it's, it's not quicksand, but that's the thing that okay. sprung to my mind as like, the closest metaphor. Okay. I saw it as, yeah, some kind of in- incapacitation. Okay. Um, so uh, it could be a kind of claustrophobia or, you know, 
manifesting in a certain way but that that was the kind of vibe i was getting like she was like a vacuum suit (laughs) (laughs) you watch some weird shit (laughs) sorry yeah he did he did wink with that sound by the way (laughs) i'm slightly freaked out (laughs) i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry i'm only half serious okay um no i'm totally thrown (laughs) now But I, I, I do concede that I may very well be wrong about yeah, it being I alive can, in the first place. I can certainly buy it. It was meant to be this kind of fear of aliens and things she would encounter on her travels with a doctor. What, just like... Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you're right. From his point of view, he confirms, not in not as many words, but he does confirm through his actions that she is a pet project of his. He's keeping her off the books. Yes. Because he says, my very last experiment is the compression test. Oh, very sophisticated test, by the way, Steyer. Yeah, yeah. But he has already started another thing with her. And he doesn't mention her to his superiors. Yeah. What do you think that's about? That he's a sick fucker. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anything, anything beyond that? or Is it science or is this torture at that point? Because he talks about the female of the species for a good long while in the beginning. He's like touching her face with his... Yeah. (sighs) Quite aggressively. I'm taking it in the context of what I know about Sontarans as well, which makes it weird, actually, because they are single-sex clone. Correct. We don't know this at the moment, so it it doesn't have a a bearing, really. So if you did assume that they were a more traditional... I hate that phrase, but, you know, if you're talking about alien races and life forms, they have two genders. Cisgender alien life forms. Yes, that's the one. (laughs) They're a warlike race. Yeah. Given what we do know, what has been established at this point in Classic Who, why would you think the female species would be an inferior thing? Like this? Well, does he ever say that? Does he say that she's inferior because she's female? I guess he doesn't. But it's definitely different, very different. Like, he wants to treat her differently. But could that also just be because hitherto he has only encountered men? But why would you not... Like, if you if you saw there were two genders... Yeah. And you're trying to do things scientifically, would you not conduct the same experiments on her? And he's conducted... Like, I don't think there's any ever mention of this psychological torture for the other uh, nine that there were. This is in 1975 that it's airing. Yeah. So, A... According to the BBC, there are only two genders. Basta. Let's not even have that conversation. Apologies to anyone in podcast land who's... Yeah, no. In the context of 1975, we we have to make that assumption. Yeah. In 1975 also, there are no... uh, Certainly not in the UK, no female soldiers. Like, the military is men only. Yeah. Right? So, like, he's not expecting there to be military strategy coming from this particular representative of humanity. He's more thinking... Oh, here's a biological sample I haven't had a chance to test yet or something like that. Yeah. It just struck me that this is science fiction. Yeah. like this, But this is bad science fiction because it's putting too much of 1975's views into it. We've hit upon their idea that they put South Africans in because they thought, oh, you know, accents might be different in the future. And it's like, yeah. you know, that's bad science fiction. That's, that's you just going, why don't we try some South African accents or it could for the be, hell of it? Or it could be good science fiction, but they don't yeah, see we it. Don't, yeah, they don't elaborate they, yeah. don't, they don't give context i don't care if they're wrong but if they're gonna analyze it then at the very least that adds that element to this sort of narrative yeah if you if you're gonna make some kind of prediction own it yeah absolutely exactly. that, that, that's the thing is but yeah the whole the way Santaran treats sarah jane as a female subject yeah 
seems to be more set in the fact that it was written in 1975 rather than it being a piece of science fiction and exploring what uh, alien species that is hell-bent on just being good at war yeah, I might interpret things. I don't know. Yeah, it, no, it, it, I, just, it, just, it was just weird. You're yeah. 100%, I uh, 100% yeah. agree with you. Did they explore this at all in the Time Warrior? Because there I are a few female characters in that one. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Sontaran really cared about gender in that. I think there were is- issues amongst the humans. In fact, he captures Sarah. It yeah. starts with him capturing Sarah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he, he never gives a monkey's about. Oh, no, wait. Oh, sorry. N- uh, tangent. Uh, time out. Okay. Wait. Okay. It wasn't... He didn't capture Sarah. The other guy captured Sarah. What was his name? He had the best name. I can't remember what it was, but it was amazing. Oh, the, the, the uh, one that's not Axe. Something... Uh, wasn't it like Blood Axe? The, there is a Blood Axe. Ste- oh, oh like that, that was his buddy. His buddy was Blood yeah. Axe. And he was like... Steel hammer. Oh, shit. Iron gun. Iron. Oh, thank you. Oh, man. That was, would have bugged me all night. <laughs> is, that, is that actually right? I think it's, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that's the thing I keep coming back to in my head is like we've had a Sontaran episode. Yeah. Oh, serial. And it wasn't bad. And yeah, it was. <laughs> it was weird. I need to find out what we gave that. I don't um, the, the medieval setting with it, I think, hampered it a little bit, but. It was it was kind of clearer what that Sontaran was about. Yeah, agreed. Oh wow. You gave that two point oh, I gave it three point oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a difference. It is. And I'm just scrolling down and first mini gave it five out of five. So <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that was a fun review, by the way, so please yeah, listen I, to that. I was finding my feet with that one and uh, <laughs> Classic Who in general. So I, I think I would probably look on that more fondly than I rated it actually. I, same here, probably. Yeah. yeah. And especially now in the context of having another Sontaran episode. <laughs> that was, like, this, that was gold. so much better. Pure gold. <laughs> but again, like I like the idea that there, there could be a more scientific Sontaran who wants... And so, so like has the, his own agenda. Like the professor, doctor, scientist, whatever, vivisectionist of the Silurians in Hungry Earth. And what's it called? Yeah. Do you remember? Do you know what I mean? The, Malachi. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that kind of idea, yeah, it's a bit of a cliche, I guess, in a way, the professor that pushes things too far and all that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, that, that's an interesting to explore. Like, maybe not this early into establishing this alien. Yeah. Because this is only the second time we've had them. Like, I feel like for a warrior race, we should probably see, like, maybe some battles. <laughs> Or yes. a fleet of ships, or I don't know, rather than just one Sontaran at a time. We also run into, I think, production constraints. This costume is already on its own in one single, like one single version of this co- costume. Super elaborate, probably quite expensive. <laughs> yeah. Imagine making like 50 of them and then having them run and stuff. The guy can barely breathe in his head. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's fair. But yeah. then... I don't know. You'd have to write things for your. I agree. Your budget sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a new episode that we haven't gotten to yet with an ice warrior on a submarine. Yes. Where you have one ice warrior. He's also like he is a warrior, but you only have the one, and it's a confined space, and he's crazy imposing, as I recall. Yeah. You could easily do something like that with a Sontaran, because this isn't the like parody of a Sontaran that we get mostly in New Who nowadays. This is he's meant to be a this venomous evil character. Yeah. 
You could easily have one or two of them conversing in a base somewhere, or just like they've crash landed on the empty Earth alongside a few humans, and now they're just like lasering the shit out of us. Yeah, I mean, well, even with this context, like he has his stupid golf ball, which is too small to bring people in to experiment on, but he could have set up some kind of rudimentary lab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that looked more menacing than just hanging out around like some craggy rocks and like this entire thing is shot on location yeah that's true it's the zero it's indoor weird stuff. It, zero tardis nothing yeah it just doesn't it never feels that kind of threatening he just feels odd like, he, he comes across <laughs> as an oddball rather than like, guys anyone fancy a weekend in dartmoor <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a spiffing idea. Can we write an excuse for that? Yeah. yeah. We, we can't make a six-episode excuse, but we could definitely make a two-episode exactly. excuse. <laughs> Barry, you bring the coke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does feel like that. It feels yeah. like they had three hours in between their um, getting coked up session. <laughs> they filmed a two-part serial and then went... This is this is fucking awesome, isn't it? <laughs> and then we've either filmed the greatest serial ever, or the cameras haven't even been running and <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to talk about the ending? I did. Just oh, is it how flat it is? The fight. Yeah, the oh. fight is pretty terrible. But why? Why is the doctor fighting? I, thought, a... I thought we'd left that behind. It's a. It's clearly uh, a Pertwee-esque remnant, right? And I immediately thought, as he was putting himself forward as a like the champion of Earth, yeah. Based on what happened with the last Sontaran, mm-hmm. like these these are hardy guys. You don't just kind of say, "Please go away now," and they go away. Like I feel like you're always going to have to kill them, basically. Yeah. So he, he's squaring off and, you know, going forward as the champion. And, like, you're going to end up killing him. I know you are. You've got Harry to go and sabotage something. Why Why is this such an elaborate scheme I, I, to I, kill him? Yeah, that's true. When they, they could have all just overpowered him. And I don't know. It, it seems like a very kind of two-faced thing from a doctor to be like i'm just a distraction for us to then kill him anyway but i don't get my hands dirty yeah exactly i mean he doesn't tell harry what the device that he's told him to remove will do no the guy dies bloody horribly yeah and harry by the way he should be traumatized at this point as a everyone should yeah but as a medical officer yeah, like, like I, I swore an oath yeah <laughs> do no harm yeah it's it's the Hippocratic oath, not the hypocritic. <laughs> this is not cool, Doc. No. He should just have, like, the shivers and talk in his sleep from now on. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. Wouldn't <laughs> that be great, though? <laughs> that would be so great. Actual. PTSD Harry yeah. Sullivan going forwards. Well, that would be some dark shit. <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, it... it, it it seems like it's something, a remnant from the Pertwee era. Am I right in saying Robert Holmes wrote Ark in Space? I'm going to look it up. Because um, he, he was the script editor on this, which I don't know if it's more just to... He did write Ark in Space, I've just looked it up. Just to make sure that things were tied in properly. Maybe. He was just... I think a lot of people who were script editors at the time were sort of 
vacillating between editing and writing and writing and editing and editing and writing and yada yada yada. Yeah. It's sort of like a little boys club as well of of the people coming up with all these stories. Yeah, and uh, that definitely doesn't happen anymore with Doctor Who. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. no. <laughs> okay, just... <laughs> oh, it's a free-for-all. Um, <laughs> well, I guess it's a little bit more of a free-for-all now, frankly. This latest season that we've had, the very first um, Chibnall series. Yeah, true, I suppose. Okay, uh, well, he Because there are new writes. Okay, yeah, yeah, he, he wrote, wrote a lot, but... He wrote a few of them, but then he's brought in you know, like yeah, people who haven't written for the show before. And no one has... Re- repeated an episode other than himself other than him yeah hey he deserves it <laughs> <laughs> okay wait hang on so that's not the end end of this serial there's another element to this and that's when the doctor skype calls the field marshal oh yeah and bluffs his way through it all yeah, that's a huge assumption on his part yeah just like We've taken out your census taker. <laughs> your survey isn't completed, and we are incredibly badass. Yeah. And it turns out we're cleverer than you, so I'm hanging up on you. Click. Yeah. You're saved, humanity. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why isn't the field marshal just going, uh, all right, yeah, mobilize the fleet. Yeah. Survey over. <laughs> this is the excuse I've been waiting for. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm not buying the uh, real threat in nine plus humans taking out <laughs> one of us. I've, uh, he's been there quite a while. He's managed to torture a lot of them. I feel like we've got it, lads. Let's go in. <laughs> uh, frankly, we could land uh, two kilometers west of him and he won't know before it's too late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just do what we said the first time and just destroy the planet. <laughs> do that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. I can't, I can't even remember how the doc bluffs out of that. <laughs> They're like, oh, we just destroyed this planet. And it's like... Oh, uh, no, I'm, uh, I don't think you want to do that because um, you you like all the plants, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> what does he say? Do you, do you remember? I don't remember. <laughs> I, I do not remember. Oh, I think he says it's not the Santaran way or something like that. At, at, at one point, he definitely he, he says that. He's like, that's not what you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's right, lads. Oh, hang on. Hang on. What do we do again? We apparently do lots of bureaucratic processes to kill people. All right. Okay. <laughs> what, what are they going to do? Their fleet is sat there. They just, are they literally just going to fly around. away? Turn Go around. Away. Conserve yeah. all that energy. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem like the Sontaran way. <laughs> no. Agrees. Mm. There is another character in this episode that we haven't talked about at all. Oh my goodness, you're so right. Which is this weird robot thing. It's beautiful. Which I loved, yeah. It's amazing. How can we not have talked about this? Yeah. Yeah, it's magnificent. Oh, sorry. No, no. Take it away, dude. So, in my eyes, it was it was a bit in- insectoid. I, yeah. I was thinking kind of grasshopper. Oh, yeah. Very good. I don't know. Um, but there, there was one effect that I super loved. Mm, is it the uh, uh, lowering and raising of it? Oh, no, I did. I did like that. Like, generally, the way it moved, I did like. But they, it has the, like, lasso things to ca- oh, yeah, capture yeah, yeah. people. And the reverse footage? We've Yeah. We've, we'd already seen it capture a couple of people, but didn't see how it did it. Yeah. And we see it retract the cables. But then later on, we see it get all three humans at once or whatever. And it's, it's so good. Yeah, it's blatantly rewinded but sure they actually did that incredibly well i love that it worked super well yeah i love how it's just sort of hovering it's always hovering in the background because yeah. it, it they can't show the trolley that it's clearly <laughs> <Yeah>. on 
it's surprisingly elaborate, and the the mechanism that gets it to rise and 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 dip it looks gorgeous. I mean, I'm assuming that it's something that originally was meant to do that. Like maybe it's a crane from the set or something yeah. like that, and they've just added a robot head to it, basically. Possibly or, for one of the cameras or something. Yeah, maybe. But it looks it looks perfect. Yeah, it's excellent. I don't know how it would have fit inside the golf ball. Mm, it it kind of does collapse because. Oh, when, when the Doc Sonics it, it kind of like that's true. folds up a little bit. But that is true. Yeah, maybe that would have been a struggle. <laughs> but it, it, I agree with you. The grasshopper thing is a perfect analogy because even when it's turning its head, it's it almost has sort of these little insectoid pincers. Yeah, little man, mandibly things. Man, yeah, um, that's the word. Sorry. And I think it kind of has antenna as well, or I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's definitely very insecty. Yeah, insectoidy would be Inse- better. Yeah. But it, again, like it's it's not given its dues. It's it doesn't even get a name, does it? I don't think so. Like the the gal site, people refer to it as the machine. I think I think it's Roth is the character that Sarah Jane hangs out with. He was possibly the only character I really connected with for a while because he seemed to be the only good guy. Yeah, I mean, he helps one of them. He helps her. Yeah, the other guys are just. I mean, okay, he also is a bit of a caveman. But he's been traumatized. Like, yeah, he he could have been like a character. Like, if if it was more kind of dwelt on the fact that um, Steyer had been properly torturing the, these individuals, and like he had he had escaped, which you know was, that's his story. But the rest of it kind of doesn't doesn't back it up too well. Yeah. Like his little bit on its own is done quite well actually like you you get that he's being tortured he, like these burns marks on his arms look horrific yeah, he has this terrible scar um and he's you know he's really anxious and, and worried about everything and you know doesn't want to go anywhere near the place again you know and you, you get all that and i think it possibly was savvy on their part to put sarah jane with him as well to she like harry so far we haven't seen even though he's a doctor we haven't seen like that much compassion from him he's, yeah whereas he's a bit she, sort of, people, she injects but. a bit of empathy into every scene yeah so I, I thought he was actually quite a good character but not kind of like given given the jews again that the story really needed yeah agreed i think i went on a massive tangent then didn't I? <laughs> no i like it i like it <laughs> why are they all so dirty is it because of the dirty tor- boy <laughs> dirty <laughs> boy <laughs> Is it because of all the torture and stuff? Because I wasn't convinced that they had all been tortured. Oh, they'd all been captured. Oh, because three dudes have laser weapons and Steyer clearly would have taken the weapons from them. Yeah. The, the ones that are hanging around with the leader, I think it's called Varel or something like that. Okay. Because he turns out to have betrayed everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, oh. Is, which is pathetically dealt with as well. Yeah, that's true. So, and, and they make a reference that like, he was gone for this really long time and... Or for, like for a few hours, and they're like, "Oh yes, he's he's obviously turned on us during that period." Uh, bloody barrel! Yeah, entirely unexplored. Elements. Yeah, exactly. But I took it that he got captured at that point. Yeah, but they didn't really realize he had been captured. Roth had obviously been captured and tortured. The rest of them had. They were just aware that there was this other entity around. I don't think they even really realized it was a alien. They were kind of unsure about what the threat was, I think. They've seen the robots. They yeah. know that the robot is not man-made, as in it's not it's not made by them. There's no life left on Earth as far as they're aware. Yeah. They must assume that it is an alien life form that's created it. I think yeah, that 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 was probably fair, but they don't, they don't know it's the Sontaran, I think. No, that's true. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, Harry refers to the Sontaran before he's even seen him. Yes. 
Yes, I think I picked up on this as well. That's not cool, man. And I don't think he'd even spoken to the Doctor in between. No, absolutely not. No. I've just written down here, how does Harry know about the Sontara? That's in part two. Because more than halfway through the serial, he just takes for granted that he knows what we know. Yeah, he's talking to the chained up guy at this point. Okay. I think. Did the Sontaran do this to you? Yeah. And I, I generally thought I had missed a little bit of conversation they had had <laughs> like a minute or two before. But what com- This script, by the way, is five pages long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To the point where I want to get on my fence again. Oh, okay, here we not, go. Not my fence, sorry. My, my soapbox. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> this is something that I, I don't want it to bug me because I want to just accept that filming television was a bit different back in the 70s. But I noticed it with Pertwee more that they would just have these really long shots on a really boring thing, like walking down some steps, like... I don't know. It was I mean the example that we've discussed before was in the dinosaur episode when he takes like a good minute to, to open, open a gate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is the one that's always in my head. <laughs> and I feel like this happens actually quite a lot in this episode with the Sontaran. And it makes him look pathetic because he can't move around in that outfit. Yeah. And so he's like struggling to walk over the terrain. And it there was one point where he's coming down um a small kind of crevice in the rock and it genuinely pauses for like three seconds because there's a tiny little rock in front of him and he has to kind of like shimmy around it. And it's like, yeah. you're watching this for 20 seconds, him just walking towards the camera down this weird little slopey bit in in the rock face. And it's just like, no, okay. Whatever menace he might have had as like a child in the 70s stood there in his costume is lost by him trying to navigate the terrain. And you've just made it, you've made it the focus for... 10 20 seconds why have you done that <laughs> well I, 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 yeah i think that's a super good question and i agree with how ineffectual it is in the serial but i reckon they just i mean let's just agree i people might disagree people in podcast land might disagree but i think you and i can disagree this is incredibly poorly written yes uh, or like it's barely written right it's it's yeah. barely it has it has filler in one of the shortest things that we're going to review in classics yeah which is insane absurd yeah this this should have been maybe one episode i mean with as little plot as you have at your disposal bbc make this one episode and then just take a week off and just coke (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) maybe they were just thinking all right what we don't have in plots and in narrative we can make up for with this badass costume and the costume does look good it's not as good as the last sometime one but it still looks good it's a cool uniform it's a very cool mask it's got that funky tongue he has a helmet that he can take off and there's another mask but underneath <laughs> it like it they never put the, puts the helmet back on though no because it must be hell <laughs> I mean, they spend a lot of time and efforts and energy and money on this costume, and they're probably thinking it's fine if we just have a cool enough, look, like cool looking enough alien, then that'll make up for everything. Kids will scream. It's like the equivalent of having a lost in space ish robot in like a horror sci fi with no plot whatsoever. But is the difference here though that this is it's not one of the big alien species in it's the true. sense that it's not a Dalek or a Cyberman. This could have just been some random other alien and it probably would have actually felt better. Probably. Because you wouldn't you wouldn't be comparing it to anything else. You wouldn't be So create a completely new alien, as we were saying. That's probably 
Yeah. But when you're universe building, you have to always call back to something, right? And maybe they're thinking we need something that one of the companions has encountered before. We can't go with Wirren because we just had that for Harry. But um, it would have made more sense in the it context. Made, yeah, no, you're right, actually. <laughs> wait, what am I saying? Like, if the Wirren had, like, overrun Earth, like, that, that would have made more sense, you know, that they, they had this different problem to deal with. Oh, man, no, that's the best retro rewrite. <laughs> that's what this should have been. Wirren Dawn was, what, four episodes? No, Wirren Dawn, sorry, Santarin, uh, uh, Santarin Ark, <laughs> Christ, what has happened? The Ark in Space. Yeah, the vodka is really heavy. <laughs> The, yeah, the arc in space was four episodes long, right? Yeah. So make it a six-episode arc about Wirren. Oh, I love this idea. Yes, you're right. Have the Wirren... Like, maybe the, the Wirren who was on the the arc, have him be one offshoot of this Wirren base on the Earth. Like yeah. the, the human colonists came and kicked us out of our homeworld, so we took over their empty one, the one that they abandoned. Yeah. It's poetic. Oh, it, I like that series know, it's, much better. Because that's the other thing that, you know, we, we can't ignore, that this is linked to the Ark in Space. Yeah. But it has no connection whatsoever. Basically, I would say probably three lines that actually make reference to... You've got the refractors the, and you've got the gonads, and a couple of mentions of... of uh, the nervous space station legend and you know uh, yeah which by the way they've forgotten all about at the end of part two when the humans the south africans suddenly go oh yeah yeah say hi to everyone on nerva yeah you don't even believe it exists dude <laughs> also i feel like the doctor's plan was to take them up to there so that they would have a better chance of getting a signal and getting rescued and all this kind of stuff but they're like, no, we can stay here. We're just fresh humans are coming down here. We'll mingle with them. It's probably a better place to be than back on Galsec. Galsec well, is like a tough yeah. colony. Here they can start afresh. They can reinvent themselves and bone uh, down with... Do they not say they're, they're expecting to get a ship to pick them up? Or Maybe. I can't remember. Wait, that's another thing. We never get to see their ship. No. That's a real bummer. I would have would have enjoyed seeing their ship, even if it's just like a mad painting of a crashed spaceship in the background. And again, there's, there's quite a difference to a lot of the, the classic hue I've yeah. ca- I kind of seen already. Like because this is just set in the open, this is just <laughs> <laughs> wilderness, craggy moorland. Yeah. Normally, you get yeah. There's there's a kind of base or there's a ship, and they'll have a tiny set dedicated to the outside space of, around that. Yeah. And they'll shoot it from different angles and all this kind of stuff. But it's all obviously shot in a studio and you get this kind of horrible feeling that, yeah, you're going to be outside, but really but you're, you're not inside quite, yeah. and it, it doesn't look like it. It's just a very thin Whereas, layer of, of, gr- of dirt on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this has the total opposite thing. It's like, yeah, there should have been a crash ship. We could this have... It's a campsite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's a campsite without tents. Like they, they, yeah. have, they have one golf ball. <laughs> I, and, and the humans who have not been captured, who have presumably just stumbled out of their crashed ship, have taken nothing from their ship. Yeah, exactly. They have no, no resources. They, and they have laser weapons, but why would they have brought weapons they don't think that anyone else is around to defend themselves against? But they, but they don't, don't have water have, bottles. They don't have, they don't have, yeah, they don't have food supplies. The, there's a half implication that I guess they were staying in a cave to like but shelter why? themselves. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. But and, they, and they've taken the time to set up traps. But haven't yeah. take, taken the time to go back to their ship and get more stuff. I don't know. This is it's just not a good cereal. It's just terrible. 
There's one other terrible cliche. Oh, what's with that? The, the doctor getting shot. Oh, yes. Oh, is he dead? Oh, oh no, is he's he dead? dead. Yeah. Oh. Harry's convinced he's dead. But no, there was something in his pocket. <laughs> I don't even remember what the fucking thing so, was so in his metal, pocket. Metal thing in his yeah. pocket. Why? Like, <laughs> Why is a laser beam? Yeah. It's not stopping a bullet. I don't know. I mean, okay, so that kind of thing we've seen before. But then there's another thing. I'm sorry, I'm just scrubbing through my notes. And one thing is that there are a lot of shots and also musical stings used in this two-part. In part one in particular, they're reminiscent of uh, horror movies. There's no, no you think. when uh, Sarah Jane is at the edge of the the hall and she's looking down there's a sequence of maybe like 15 20 seconds where the camera's just slowly creeping towards her as though someone's creeping up behind oh, her. Oh yeah. And the music's even this horror sting like dee, dee, dee. and well that was a terrible <laughs> maybe I'll soundbite it. Entirely uncharacteristic of Doctor Who. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. So though. maybe they're trying to like experiment a little bit. And someone took mushrooms in the editing bay. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, "This cereal is shit. shit. What can we do? Like, someone's got to do this in the in the edit. Come on, you got to save it, <laughs> guys. The next one's going to be incredible. People will be talking about it for decades. <laughs> the last one took out our entire budget. All we have left now in the budget is like, the only thing we can allow for is a truck to ferry us to Dartmoor. <laughs> it's weird though, because I, I always kind of have it in my head that filming a location is more expensive than staying in a studio. But they don't have to build a set or anything. But you can, you can do... They have a minimal cost. You can do one set episodes. Yeah, like a bottle episode somewhere. Yeah. It's just, if it was a budgetary thing, surely you you don't go and send everyone, <laughs> the entire cast and crew, to another location. I don't know. It it just seems like it was... Someone thought this was good. I think this is a budget thing. But okay, no, fine. Yeah. The last episode, I mean, we talked about the sets there. The sets cost a fortune. Yeah. The, the props cost a fortune, the miniatures. Uh, they've got some special effects. They've got the Wirren outfit. And it's a longer serial, so it, it takes longer, it requires more film, there are more actors, it's more elaborate in that regard. The next one, I don't even want to talk about it because I don't know anything about it, really. And this one is a handful of people on a hill. Yeah. And they haven't even invested in... All right, no, I'm buying it. They, but... they can reuse the golf ball. They can yeah. reuse everything except for the head part of the Sontaran yeah. outfit. They, they sent one cameraman and one sound man. Yeah, and Tom Baker. <laughs> Tom Baker, by the way, injured himself during production. This was also was that the, going down the pit? Or? Uh, I, maybe. I don't know if that I'm was sure. a, a so he stunt broke, double or not. He broke his collarbone. Oh, really? And uh, I read that before watching the serial. I didn't notice. Apparently his stunt double, or maybe like the stunt coordinator, portrayed him during the Pertwee-esque fight. And I didn't notice that, frankly. Oh, and I specifically looked out for it. And I couldn't, couldn't notice it. But I did notice that his clothes look really bulky at one point and don't, like, he hasn't put on anything the right way. And I assume that's because he's got, like, you know, a cast and maybe some sort of harness or whatever underneath yeah. to hold everything in place. Because he broke his collarbone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I did actually, I think it was very early on in the serial, actually. I did note that he looked appropriately dressed for a windy, like, more 
moorland setting. Yeah. I don't know if that's the same thing you were, you were picking up on. That it, I don't know, his, his coat just seemed very big and billowy. Yeah, I think they took advantage of that. Yeah. Like they, they made sure to really dress him. <laughs> yeah. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Where to begin with this thing? I mean, I, there's not even much to say in terms of plot holes and so on because there's barely a plot to speak of. I'm elated, a little surprised, but mostly elated that we've been able to rip this serial apart <laughs> for twice as long as its actual duration. Yep. Way us. Cell <laughs> so five. That already, in, in and of itself, that, that is already a verdict. Um, the um, characters are not very well developed. It doesn't have a story. I already said that. There is nothing in the way of production value. It, it really seems as though they just had no budget whatsoever. But, surprise, surprise, they had time to fill. Maybe they were still waiting for two weeks until they had access to the genesis of the Daleks props or sets or whatever and they had to fill it with something and they didn't think it through and consequently yeah unfortunately I, i'm a little disappointed by this return of the sontarans i i think we've already said it. I, i'm not going to duplicate everything that we just said but I, i'm i'm disappointed because they they were great the last time they're great in new who largely and there's so much potential here i don't know how long it's going to take until we encounter them again but I would, I would quite like them to make more of an effort the next time. In terms of the Doctor, barely got to see him. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. A little disappointed, because so far, we've been loving Tom Baker. I certainly have been. Yeah. He's like the tech support in this one. He fixes the gonad thingies, the little silver balls. He dismantles a force field. Uh, and then he fights someone. Like the, the, Nothing he does is characteristic of... Tom Baker, all of his idiosyncrasies are out the window. Perhaps the exception is when he's talking to the cavemen slash astronauts in part one, but that's such a small scene that it hardly counts. The companions are barely explored. Sarah Jane is a damsel in distress for a little bit, but then she just overacts for the rest of it whenever she's on screen, which isn't a loss. And Harry isn't the, the action guy or the James Bond guy or the doctor guy that I wanted to see either. So disappointments all around. Unfortunately... Full disclosure, before pressing record on these reviews, we had a quick scan of the ratings that people in podcast land have given this. And before that, before we did that, we had already written down our own ratings. And I'm, I haven't changed this. Jim hasn't changed his either, heads up. No. Nope. But heads up, I think we're in the minority because if the rating I'm about to give you, certainly, is way below anything that anyone else has given. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the context. The other two-parter that we've reviewed on Who Back When, The Rescue, I gave that 1.7. The Ark in Space, we just had that. I gave that 4.4. So this is, it's coming from a 4.4. And the serial that I said this may have been able, like maybe they were aspiring to remake it with Tom Baker. That was the War Games. And I gave that 3.5. Otherwise, the terrible ones have been The Edge of Discretion, for example, 0.4. And this is worse. So I'm giving this 0.2. Oh my Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I hope that I'm not going to... Uh, uh, oh. Michael, I know that you're listening to this. <laughs> and I know that you disagree. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm a bit lost for words, actually. 
Yeah. This, this <laughs> wow. isn't a cereal. This is not a cereal. This is the Die Hard Five of the Tom Baker era. <laughs> Ooh. Low blow. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Well, first of all, thank you for the <laughs> amazing honesty you've just put out there, Leon. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I pretty much agree with everything you've said, though. That's the, that's the thing. I think for me, I, I'm focusing a bit more on the what could have been, mm-hmm. which, spoiler, it is wasn't. why. <laughs> well, no, it's why my score is going to be a, a bit higher than that. I'm, I'm amazed you went, you went that low. <laughs> I can see a bit of potential in this. I can see that there were some nice ideas. Yeah. The setup of a Santaran that wants to experiment on humans to see what they're capable of. Yeah. That is a nice idea. Is it realized very well? No. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you get some points for trying. Um, Okay. Thought they can't. Yeah. (laughs) The the weird little grasshopper robot he's got that is going around the, I don't know, 30 feet that we care about in this serial. You know what? 0.18 of my 0.2 go for the (laughs) the grasshopper. (laughs) Sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah. Like that, again, you know, it's it's not explored, it's not explained. There's this random kind of robot that's doing the Sontaran's bidding. But, you know, it's a nice little thing. But this is a terrible serial from, like you said, a plot point of view, uh, an interest point of view. A uh, character development point of view, a uh, character interaction point of view. Like, it's just bad. <laughs> but I, I, I said to Leon before we um, started doing this episode, like, I wasn't sure this would be an interesting podcast because sometimes you get like a really bad episode and you just rip it to shreds quite happily because it's just like, the production's bad. Oh my God, that actor was just annoying as hell. And, you know, you can just have some fun with it. Yeah. Whereas I just felt like this was just, it didn't even reach a level of being interestingly bad it was it was just a bit meh the whole thing was just meh like it's just someone turned up on the work experience and that's what everyone was doing that day they were just loving work experience they were just like okay you're gonna you're gonna go there you're gonna read this line of dialogue and then they're gonna read that line of dialogue we think they're connected but I don't really know. No one, no, no one's kind of overseen this. No one's, no one's gone from start to finish and said, "This is a worthwhile thing to do. Let's all do this." They've just kind of pieced it together and gone, "Right, well, you go and do that. You go and do that." And I, uh, just to, sorry to interpolate, but to clarify, two people wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting to listen to your little mini review that it really does actually seem that this was written for Pertwee as well, which. Shits, mm. on, shits on it again. I, I I might actually change my score. Oh. Because I started with a lower score and I beefed it up a bit because of the potential. Okay. I wanted to give it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that there there is an interesting premise in here w- wanting to get out. Okay. But I think the fact that we've lost Tom Baker, we've lost For the a new... fortnight. We've lost the new Doctor. <laughs> he's, a, he's only been with us a few weeks and we've lost him. We've got Pertwee back again. Yeah. He's back. And a shitty Pertwee as well. Yeah, it is a shitty Pertwee. We had great Pertwee before. Yeah. yeah. But he, he's he's not engaging with the companions. He's he's not being flamboyant and, and fun and mm. jovial um, in a Tom Bakery way. He's just, well, like you said, he's barely in it. Yeah. Like, most people are barely in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, how is this even a show? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, I started with 0.8. <gasps> okay. 
I pushed myself up to a 1.1, but oh. I'm coming back down. I'm at 0.8. 0.8. Yep. Fair enough. Listener minis. Now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. First of all, thank you so much, everyone who sent this in, because we have seven of them. We have seven listener minis. That's so many. This is awesome. Oh, I'm loving this. Uh, weirdly, so are you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this serial, that is. Okay, let's start off. First off, we have Kristaps Paddock. Hello, Kristaps. We haven't heard from you in a while. Nice to hear from you again. Kristaps starts off after dropping in to comment on the monster of Peladon, which was crap, and then skipping several brilliant stories, I find myself commenting on the Suntaran experiment, which is also crap. Yes, it is, Kristaps. Score. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Here's our friend who agrees with us. While some longer stories are flabby and suffer from padding, and the shorter ones tend to be tighter, this one is too short, and there's not enough time to build anything worth watching. Kristaps continues, The Ark in Space starts a plot thread that is completed in Attack of the Cybermen. Oh, interesting. And while the Ark is brilliant, as is the side quest of Genesis of the Daleks, Santara Experiment and Attack of the Cybermen are both crap. Oh. Crap enough, in fact... But I'm going to go so far as to suggest that the hallowed writers of this dear, dear show would have done better to shorten Attack to three stories, chuck out Sontaran Experiment altogether, and use the remaining three stories of the season to explore human recolonization of Earth without any monsters getting involved. Could have been meaty and interesting. Yeah, agreed. And Kristaps gives this a rating of 1.5. Adding, did not like it. <laughs> nice one. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This, this is our, our, one, on. our one stake in the ground. Of, yeah. We're not alone. <laughs> and it's nearly eight times as high as mine. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and twice as much as you can. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thank you so much, Chris Tabs. Next up, we have Paul Forber. Hey Hello, Paul. Paul. Paul starts, to help new Dr. Tom Baker's reception, outgoing producer Barry Letts commissioned veteran writers to bring back well-regarded enemies in stories. Bob Baker and Dave Martin's contribution involved aliens investigating potential opposition to a planned invasion and used Robert Holmes's creation, the Sontarans. New producer Philip Hinchcliffe and script editor Robert Holmes broke six-part serials into four- and two-episode stories, so... The Suntaran Experiment was filmed on location in the same production block as the previous studio story. This story would enable copious Holmesian world-building in Doctor Who's future. Mm. The solar flares that devastated the Earth were a puzzle piece the Doctor would discover on the mysterious planet and solve through the trial of a Time Lord in the story Holmes intended to tell before his death. Hmm. The notes the Doctor consulted on Sontarans in his 500-year diary, which we did not make mention of, famously kept up by second Doctor Patrick Troughton, may have been written during Holmes' tale, The Two Doctors. Finally, the story referenced the war between Sontarans and Rutans. The Sontaran experiment is a quick, fast-paced tale with an action-packed conclusion featuring no close-ups because Tom Baker broke his collarbone during filming. Stunt double Terry Walsh filled in for the Doctor and defeated the Sontaran. The leading man's absence later on doesn't keep this tale from being enjoyable. Beg to differ. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Is there a... I didn't notice. Is the Does the 500-year diary show up in this serial? I don't know if he actually gets it out. He... he... 
says he wants to look something up in his 500 year diary. Oh, I missed that yeah. line. That's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we definitely get to see Troughton writing and flip through it. Right. Yeah. He wants he wants to look up the Sontarans. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you so much, Paul. Truth be told, we did truncate that mini a little bit because it was a little bit of a maxi. So go to whobackwhen.com and read Paul's review in its full splendor. And in the meantime, you can also high-five him online. He is at Wordsmith Paul. Thank you, Paul. Next up, we've got Trenton Blaze. Hey there, Trenton. Trenton starts, like the titular troll, this two-parter is short, taut, and sadistic. (laughs) It dovetails with the arc in space. In a season so interlinked that Harry doesn't have time to change his clothes and serves almost as a quick palate cleanser before Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, we'll be getting to that. (laughs) Reprising his role as the Suntaran, Steyer, Kevin Lindsay puts on a fantastic performance in the final time he would play a Suntaran before his passing in April 1975. Uh That's that's literally two months later. This was February. Mid-February. Happily, though says Trenton. Impetus and panache prevail over problems with plot logic. Mm. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> Quite why the Suntarans need to experiment on humans before invading their territories is unclear. Are they just responding methodically to sadistic urges? Possibly. And the Doctor's dismissal of the Marshal, Brinkmanship, I think they call it, is less than reassuring. We're left wondering that Vera and her buddies beaming down from the Ark may soon have an almighty battle on their hands. Overall, what do I think of this story? Well, as far as two-parters go, it's great! Unlike the edge of discretion. <laughs> oh, he's actually said it in, in brackets. Unlike the edge of destruction, in brackets, discretion. Well done, Trenton. Which was pretty weak, and a few others we'll discuss later. This is possibly the best short story we got in Classic Who. It's unfortunate that many consider it filler, because I think it's so much more. And Trenton gives this... 3.6 out of 5. Wow. Holy moly. Trenton, this is a beautiful mini. I'm a little worried that maybe you gleaned something from this that completely just whooshed over my head. <laughs> well, Trenton says the many consider it filler. That's true. So we are in the many for once. We, we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> this is brilliant. Thank you so much, Trenton. Uh, ladies and gents, high five Trenton online. He is at Trenton Bless. That's blessed with... How do you spell that again? I think it's got two of those little squiggly things at the end. That's right. (laughs) Next up, we've got Peter Zunich. Zunmeister. (laughs) Zunmeister. Oh, I like it. Peter, do you like it? If you you don't, we'll stop. If you you do, (laughs) we will just continue because I love it. Peter starts. This story is possibly the first glimpse I ever had of Doctor Who way back when I was a child. We're fighting against nostalgia here. Mm Mm-hmm. It's certainly my earliest memory of the show. Oh, wow. It was raw. The robot was intimidating. It was capturing people with ropes. I had no (laughs) idea what was going on. I couldn't (laughs) wait to see more. The real question, Peter goes on, of course, is whether or not the story holds up today. The answer is, sure, I guess it's okay. It's a small, quiet premise. It works fine, but not to the standards of its neighboring adventures. But that's okay, because it's not trying to. Some of the experiments are wonky, but only in that you would expect being crushed by your unwilling friends to be perhaps test number 97, not test number 5. That is a very good point. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We possibly <laughs> should have mentioned how ridiculous the numbering of tests was. In the end, it just works fine, as long as you don't look too closely. Indeed. Location notwithstanding, says Peter, there's nothing shining here, but there's nothing detestable either. Ah. Mm, yeah, I guess... <laughs> 
Oh. I guess that's the meh category. It's just nice to see us on Tarns again. We also get a glimpse of what Earth looks like at that time. And that, of course, is this story's sole purpose. To let us know that the survivors of Nerva will be just fine when they get home. I'm just glad it's a two-parter. This squatty excuse for an Imperial Pro droid gives the Melty Frog <laughs> Man a 2.3. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm feeling early onset guilt right now. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> like I, I, I went a bit higher, but I'm with you. <laughs> thank you super duper much, Peter. Awesome stuff as always. Yeah, thank you very much, Peter. All right, next up we have Michael Ridgeway. Ridgeway. Hello, Michael. Hi, Michael. Michael starts with a few bullet points. Things I liked. Creepy picnic at Hanging Rock setting. Another big wobbly robot made of plastic and tinfoil. Sadistic Sontaran. He's enjoying the torturing a little too much. Never has a villain's head deserved such a melty comeuppance. <laughs> oh, But Michael does have some... Beefs. Nerva is just a legend. Are you kidding me? It's a bloody big space station. Does your ship not have windows? <laughs> Next beef. Why did Steyer bother luring the humans to Earth? He could have just pulled an alien covenant and dissected the cryo-humans on Nova. <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's a very good point. <laughs> that's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Another beef is Harry's dubious medical skills. Prematurely writing off the doctor and Sarah as dead and stuffing the dying guy's mouth with a rotten cloth. <laughs> the poor guy probably died of asphyxiation. Then he adds, benefit of the doubt, the doctor killing the wobbly robot with a sonic. I'm assuming he unscrewed a couple of vital nuts and bolts rather than resort to new who sonic fuckwittery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could give that that He has also a question Oh Do we think this adventure takes place before or after the Time Warrior in the Sontaran's timeline? That's a brilliant question Okay, that is a super duper brilliant question I have absolutely no idea I'm not sure if we have any information to actually decide, do we? It's the same spaceship as in the same golf ball, it seems, at least from the outside. Yeah. It appears as though... I can't remember his name now. Links. Links, yeah, thank you. It appears as though Links may have had access to more advanced technology. I mean, he travels through time to begin with. That's true. So possibly that takes place later in Sontaran, in the Sontaran timeline. Yeah, assuming they're a, a futuristic alien race that they're... Was it 16,000 years ahead of our current time? That could have been their current time. Yeah, that's true. And then the Time Warrior is him going back in time. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I think the answer to your question, Michael, is we think maybe <laughs> this takes place before the Time Warrior. Yeah. But we don't really know. And we're basing that just on technology that may or may not have been available outside of the empty planet Earth. Yes. Yeah. All right. Michael goes on. <laughs> in summary, an enjoyable pacey romp. A total git of a baddie and an exciting final duel. What more can we ask? A plot, Michael. A plot. <laughs> and those things you just said. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives this... Oh, my goodness. He gives this 4.1 out of 5 oh. melty Sontaran heads. Oh, my bejesus. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, uh, Degustibus. Uh, well done. <laughs> you you and... Enjoy what you want to enjoy, Michael. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally fine. Awesome, Mini. Thank you very much. Ladies and gents, please high-five Michael and tell him how wrong he is. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 
Please high five him online. He is at bad underscore movie underscore club. Thank you, Michael. Oh, actually, and also on that point, you did mention before you press record. <laughs> <laughs> well, why Michael might like this? Because he yeah. likes bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're on to you, Michael. All right. Next up, we have Paul Waring. Hey, Paul. Hello, Paul. Mr. Potato Head is back. And this time he's brought the robot from the Smash commercial with him. I don't even know what that is. Nor I. (laughs) So important is his report that this one piece of paperwork is capable of holding up an entire Santaran battle fleet. Clearly, the Marshal is the Santaran equivalent of Sir Humphrey Appleby. The new TARDIS team continues to gel in this story. And in particular, Liz Sladen shows how talented she is as an actor. She gets Sarah's relationship with Harry just right, and she looks genuinely terrified when Steyer starts his experiment, which subjects her to fear. I have to stop here, because we really need to stop filming this, because Leon's <laughs> gobsmacked expression whilst he's reading this is so impressive. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Like, it's not coming across in his tone, yeah. but he is not agreeing with you here, Paul. <laughs> yeah, sorry, like every single sentence here is just like making me more confused. Um, the only downside is that she is relegated to the role of screaming female companion when we know she can do so much more. That is true. That is very true. Yes. Tom Baker reports for duty despite a broken but carefully concealed collarbone, although it's painfully obvious when he's replaced by a much shorter stunt double. Uh, I, not, I missed not to it. us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I definitely will take your word for it. I think Todd is wiki also actually said that, yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of obvious. I, I missed it, but yeah. I don't know if um, both their stunt doubles falling down the pit. I don't think I really cared about the fight scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway. Paul continues, beating Sire by working out that he is affected by Earth's gra- gravity is original. Although given that he's outnumbered by at least six to one, it does beg the question of why they don't just jump him early on. Yeah, good point. That's the point. I that is Jim's point. <laughs> I think it would have also made more sense says Paul, if Harry had the fort style whilst the Doctor sabotaged the spaceship equipment. Yes. But perhaps the writer wanted to give the new Doctor plenty to do. And not paint him in as a murderer. Well. <laughs> just, yeah, just make the real medical Doctor the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, says Paul, this story fills the spot between Ark and Genesis nicely. And two episodes is just the right length for watching in a single sitting. It took me three sittings. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul gives this four out of five. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Again, you, you enjoy what you want to enjoy, Paul. Good, well, good work. It's well, a lovely I'm, mini. I mean, it's pretty clear we are in the minority here. <laughs> so it, odds are you and I are wrong, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. Excellent mini. And I think we may have neglected to say this. The last time Paul submitted a a mini, you can follow him on Twitter. Please high five him online. He is at P. Waring. That's his first initial and his surname. Figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Paul. Next up. Oh, in fact, last one. We have Jim the Fish. (laughs) Jim. Jim, Jim. Jim, Jim, what the fuck am I saying? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, drink is great. Jim starts. The regulars are up to their usual standards, with high points including Harry's fury at Steyer's cruelty towards both the dehydrated Galsec colonists and the seemingly dead Sarah. Until the doctor stops him, he is determined to go after Steyer regardless of the danger. 
Another great moment is the first meeting between Steyer and the Doctor, when Tom Baker delivers the line, You unspeakable abomination, with such conviction that he seems to genuinely loathe his opponent. Jim continues, Kevin Lindsay had been diagnosed with a heart condition shortly after, if not while, playing Lynx. So the Steyer mask was made looser and easier to breathe inside of. But Lindsay had lost so much weight that the mask didn't fit him properly, so the effect is even worse in the end result. Oh, I didn't realise. That's even more dramatic. That is unfortunate. Yeah. The actor who plays Harry Sullivan novelised this story, and because the episode was so short, he padded it out with endless scenes of pain and torture. Ugh. The less said about the Sontaran's plan, the better. Well, that's probably true. Yeah, it's true. And I'm actually kind of intrigued about the novelised version. Yeah, because Harry it, Sullivan? Well, yeah, A, written by Harry Sullivan, but yeah. also... What, Ian Mata? Yeah, the, yeah. the idea of, of making it this really dark, torturous thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jim does continue. He has some random points that he liked. Mm. I love how impractical and flimsy the robot looks on the moors. Oh. Uh, next point. Every time Harry calls Sarah up old thing and her annoyed reaction will never not be funny. <laughs> I think I might have to disagree with that, but mm. hey-ho. And the last point that Jim liked is Tom Baker doing a John Pertwee one-on-one combat with Steyer. And it was amazing, even though he had a broken collarbone. Again, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Yeah. But yeah. And it was his stunt it. double, it turns out. <laughs> <Well>. so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. This was a short and well-paced story, says Jim the Fish, and he gives this 3.2 out of 5. Nice one. Nice one! Excellent mini. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Right, Rooney and Cheesecakes. All right, well, I mean, we've been put in our place. <laughs> Thank you so much, Podcast Lab. Have we? I just feel like they're all wrong. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. All right, take it back. You're right, you're right, you're right. No. Thank you so much, everyone who sent that in. Next up, let's see here. First, we're going to jump into New Who territory. With dinosaurs on a spaceship. <laughs> After that, we have another classic who, namely the legendary Genesis, Genesis of the Daleks. <laughs> so really looking forward to that. In the meantime, you can say hello to us on Twitter. Jim, you are? Jimmy the Who. That is right. And I am at Ponkin. Uh Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You've been a lovely audience. Oh, I don't want to say goodbye, but it's after midnight and <laughs> it's a school night. Catch you in the next one. Rock on and cha ciao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?